Welcome to our next episode of Research Talk Podcast. I'm Helen Clare from JISC and I'm your host. Today we're talking about research assessment and we have two guests. Stuart Fancy is Director of Research and Innovation at the Scottish Funding Council. And ben Rayner is Senior Research Manager at the Higher Education Funding Council for Wales. I'll be talking with Stuart and Ben about the Future Research Assessment Programme, why it's been initiated, its scope and the key aims of the programme. Welcome Stuart and Ben. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Before we get into our topic, um, could I ask you both to just introduce yourselves briefly, give a little bit of background and about your professional interests? Well, thank you, Helen, and, and good morning. I'm Stuart Fancy. As you said, I'm from the Scottish Funding Council, which is the Scottish Government's national funding body for universities and colleges in Scotland, and I'm Director of Research and Innovation there. So my interests extend from research, of course, uh, and across into the application of research into the economy, society uh, and beyond. And in the context of today's conversation, Scottish Funding Council is delighted to be one of the four funding bodies that together uh, operate the research uh, uh, assessment process we have just now, the REF, and are considering, as we'll discuss this morning, the future of research assessment. And I'm Ben Rayner. As you said, I'm the Senior Research Manager at the Higher Education Funding Council for Wales. That's Wales's uh, national funding body, the equivalent of the Scottish Funding Council in Wales. And I lead on research policy for HEFCU. Uh, we pronounce that as if it's a Welsh word. And the uh, my interest um, focus around our core um, research funding, our quality related core funding to universities, managing policy for that to make sure that it delivers uh, economic and social benefits for Wales and underpins our strong R&I sector. Great, thank you. So if we kick off, first of all, um, why is it important that the UK has a way of assessing research on a national scale? Helen, thank you. There are at least three principal reasons why we have over several decades now operated together a national uh, research quality assessment process. We've called it by different names. It's currently the REF. So three principal reasons I'll start us off with, and Ben may want to come in afterwards. Primarily, the, the sector would recognise the importance as being to inform funding. So the four funding bodies of the UK, of which uh, two are represented here by Ben and myself, but of which it also includes England's uh, research uh, funder, Research England, and the relevant department of uh, in, in the Northern Ireland uh, government. But the principal reason why we assess research is to use it to inform about £2 billion a year of quality-related research funding. Quality-related research funding being that part of the dual support system that is uh, funded at an institutional level rather than at a project level, uh, and which is used flexibly by universities to support both existing research excellence to develop new forms or uh, new areas of research and generally to support a dynamic and effective research base complementing the project funding coming from research councils, national academies and others. So informing that with quality is an important reason that we do this assessment. But secondly, and importantly for all of us, is accountability. It provides us with a form of accountability for public investment in research. It tells us that the excellence of that research, uh, where it is, it tells us uh, how it is developing it shows us something of the impact of the excellence of that research into wider society. And it tells us about the development of the environment and the uh, ways in which that research is, is being done. And that accountability is immensely important, both for the governments whose money we are, uh, universities are spending, but also for the wider public who ultimately whose money uh, we are spending. And finally, of the three 
top level reasons that we're doing this accountability is reputation. It is the ability to provide benchmarking information to establish uh, reputational yardsticks, if you like, uh, and to give a way of talking about the, the quality of the uh, research in the higher education sector and to ensure that we have a, a, a way of describing that quality in public fora. So it's an immensely important uh, reputational marker for individual universities. It's also, of course, hugely useful uh, to universities for management purposes. You mentioned that you aim to encourage and strengthen the emphasis on delivering excellent research and impact. How exactly are you planning to do this and what has changed since REF 2021? So what the funding bodies have now run a number of national research assessment exercises. And one key thing we do after every exercise is to go back and evaluate that exercise, look at what worked, what could have worked better, what changes from the previous exercise, what effects those had, and whether all of the processes together work towards our, our goals that Stuart just laid out. And that's we want that process to be fully consultative each time and to take into account as wide a range of, of views as possible. And that evaluation of uh, REF 2021 is ongoing and a key part of how we will look at ensuring that future approaches to research assessment in the UK do encourage and strengthen that emphasis on excellent research and first-rate impact. And I think everyone was expecting us to do that because we do this every time. But I think what possibly what people might be less uh, expecting this time is that we're taking a much wider look and going back to first principles on approaches to research assessment in the UK. Um, we're going right back to looking at what we value, how we measure it, and how research assessment and future approaches to it can contribute to a healthy research and innovation system and what the place of research assessment is within that system. And by going right back to first principles and challenging our thinking and how we've gone about things in the past, looking again at how we define and measure research excellence and impact, I think we can hopefully ensure that any future approach to research assessment uh, measures and expresses fully up-to-date conceptions and consensus conceptions of research excellence and impact well. That's a large part of um, what we're doing is gathering the views of experts from across the globe, commissioning pieces of consultation and analysis to make sure that our consideration of future approaches brings in as diverse a set of views and expertise as possible. As for the second part of your question, what's changed in REF 2021? I think the straightforward answer is it's too early to say. We're still in the process of commissioning analysis and conducting wide consultation um, and trying to uh, take into account and, uh, and reconcile all those views. So in terms of what's changed, it's still watch this space. So you've been describing the, the future research assessment programme and, and how it listens to the concerns of the sector. Could you say a little bit more about that, perhaps, and how it will feed into the design of the next exercise? This exercise, uh, Helen, is very much uh, an exercise that is, is whilst led and and, uh, and and owned by the four funding bodies it's very much a partnership with the sector itself this is this is something that is largely operated in reality and in, in its current form certainly by the sector and and therefore we are uh, hugely interested in the views of the sector broadly and, and many people are around it so we're interested in the, the the voices of institutions of researchers of technicians and pretty much anyone who's been involved in the current exercise and who may be interested in the future of of uh, assessment of research quality. So a broad, a broad listening exercise is very important to us. And to that end, 
as as Ben has described, we've been engaged in and are still engaged in exercises reflecting on the current exercise, the, the, the REF exercise that closed in 2021, uh, a real-time REF review and, and other mechanisms. But looking forward, we've already been engaging across last summer uh, with the uh, with the uh, community through a variety of round tables. So the funding bodies supported by the REF team have been out with uh, look, uh, speaking to the community uh, round tables of various uh, specific forms. I'll mention a couple in a second, but also uh, importantly, uh, talking to large communities of senior research leaders uh, about the exercise in the round. We engaged about uh, with about 140 uh, pro vice chancellors at one point in a very large scale virtual event. Uh, the uh, ability to hold such large scale virtual events is perhaps a silver lining of the situation we find ourselves in. But we've also held, held more focused meetings with research users and had roundtables around particular themes because this is a detailed and important business and one that we need to look at in some specificity. So we've talked to, in, in roundtable settings around such topics as the particular support that this exercise could give to early career researchers. How do we engage uh, best with that community and support them through the uh, assessment? How might we support a, a diversity of research roles? Uh, so not just, if you like, uh, those at the uh, front end of a, of a research group or, or uh, but others around the research roles. Uh, how can we in, engage with and support the diversity of researchers in our research community through this exercise? And, and so it goes on. Across those focus groups, we've spoken to more than 100 different stakeholders or advocates and experts. And we've looked at various perspectives on how we may uh, evolve uh, a national research assessment in order to support uh, what we're describing as a, a healthy and inclusive research system. So if I may, Helen, could I talk a little bit about some of the things we heard? Yes, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, fantastic. Well, clearly we, we held these discussions uh, under a, a Chatham House rule. So uh, participants were free to speak uh, and, and speak they did. And they spoke in a, in a personal capacity. So uh, just broadly speaking, then some of the things we, we heard. We did hear that that the exercises thus far, so the REF currently are, are viewed as a, a very important driver of behaviour, whether that's institutional behaviour, uh, researcher behaviour, or indeed entire sectoral uh, behaviour. Uh, and, and it was important to have that affirmed back to us. There was a, a very uh, strong support, which we were pleased to hear, for a greater focus on the on the uh, effect and value that this assessment process has on the culture of research uh, and on the careers of researchers. And there was definitely an appetite to consider the definition of what we mean by research excellence and to consider that in a, a relatively inclusive manner. What there wasn't much support for, I'd have to say, and perhaps your listeners will not be surprised here, there wasn't very much support for an increasing role of metrics in research assessment. So that certainly gives us something to think about. There was uh, some very some interest in the developments that you've seen elsewhere in the research system of uh, a sort of narrative CV approach. So elsewhere, those listening to us will be familiar perhaps with the notion of narrative CVs for researchers. Well, is there something uh, interesting there at either a, a unit of assessment or institutional level that we should consider? That was raised with us with some uh, interest. And lastly, and I hope uh, uh, uncontroversially, there was a recognition that a very large part of, of the narrative around the uh, research assessment process is around the burden that it uh, introduces into research. 
the extra overhead of carrying out this assessment exercise. And there was a recognition that a significant part of that burden is created by uh, universities, HEIs themselves. Now, um, that's very, very much of, of interest to us. Uh, but perhaps uh, listeners will smile at the thought that there was some scepticism that any changes could reduce this uh, significantly. But nevertheless, uh, we are hugely interested in both those observations and the role that we can play in helping to design a system that has uh, a reduced burden uh, on uh, universities. So building on the findings of these conversations uh, of last summer, we'll be shortly launching a wide-ranging consultation, seeking views from any organisation, uh, individuals, experts, groups, uh, anybody who has an interest in the conduct, the quality, the funding or the uses of, of research uh, in the UK. Now, that consultation will be forward-looking, uh, Helen. It won't be uh, reflecting on the REF 2021 exercises. We're doing that comprehensively and, and separately. Uh, it will be forward-looking. It will be looking at the, the potential uh, ways of evolving this system. And those views that we gather through the exercise will help us in the design uh, of it. It's very, very important to us, as I think we started this conversation by recognising that there is a variety of views and, and a variety of participants in the research process out there. And we're very interested in taking into account all of that and trying to balance what are necessarily a variety of views whilst uh, sticking true to the broad aims of what research assessment is for. Um, obviously, you've highlighted quite a lot that's already come up in the, in the, the consultations around this sort of what makes a, a healthy research system. Could you perhaps um, just summarise briefly a bit more about the key issues that you're looking to address in the consultation and and what exactly you feel are the key elements of a healthy, inclusive research system? So as Stuart said, we had a, a wide range of very useful views come through to us in the roundtables that the funding bodies conducted um, last year in 2021. And one of the key aims of the consultation is to gauge and test the position of those views in the wider sector taking into account a wider sample of all of the key groups involved in the research and innovation sector that, that Stuart just mentioned, um, researchers themselves, but leadership, technicians, research support staff, really anyone with an interest in uh, research assessment and the uh, its role in the wider sector. And so the themes that we're focusing on in the consultation very much emerged from those round tables. And I'll just very quickly run through them. One of the key themes is what the purpose of a future exercise should be. We've talked already about the importance of research assessment to the funding bodies and the wider sector for the allocation of funding and public accountability. But are there other purposes that we should be taking into account? Very keen to gather views there. What are the most important principles and priorities for the funding bodies when looking at the future uh, of research assessment in the UK? There are any number of principles and priorities um, and we are asking respondents to the consultation to look at them and uh, look at those that we that have emerged from the roundtables as possibilities, but also provide their own thoughts on what other principles and priorities we might have missed um, or didn't come up in those roundtables. And to give some indication of their importance, different groups within the sector will hold different principles and priorities um, more or less important in terms of what we should be taking into account. Very keen to hear those views. As Stuart mentioned, um, how we define and measure research excellence. We're very keen to get views, wide views on that, as it was a key feature of the roundtables. Uh, and again, uh, gathering as many views as possible on um, whether 
we need a more holistic view of research excellence going into any the design of any future assessment exercise. The criteria that should be used in the assessment we're also seeking views on in the consultation. So that link between how we define research excellence and impact, and then how we measure it in the assessment itself. We're seeking views on how often and how granular the assessment exercises as a whole should be. I think it will come as no surprise to listeners that the frequency of the exercise and the granularity of it at what level research assessment is assessed are, are key issues. And um, there's a balance to be struck there, I think, um, between the level of granularity that's possible with more or less frequent exercises. And it's a complex issue with pros and cons each way that we are keen to gather views on. And then the final major theme, Stuart's already touched on it, is the um, the issue of burden and its proportionality uh, and how that is felt, where it is felt within the sector, what elements of sensed burden and felt burden are seen and felt at different levels of the system, whether at the level of individuals, institutions, or the research system as a whole. Uh, we're looking really at the issue of proportionality. This is an important exercise that needs to be done well to provide the data for allocation of large amounts of public funding. So there's an issue of proportionality of burden here um, that we are that we are seeking to gather views on for, for the future. So it's a lot to cover. And I just want to re-emphasize that the funding bodies are very keen to hear from any organization, group or individual with an interest in uh, the quality assessment of research in the UK um, or the allocation of research funding. In terms of the elements of a healthy and inclusive uh, research system, Stuart, did you want to come in on that? Well, thanks, Ben. Because I think it was it was me who mentioned that, so I think I should I should come in and talk a little bit about what we what we understand uh, by that. And actually, it's not easy at all because it does rather depend who you ask, uh, what kind of a, a, a definition you might get for what a healthy, inclusive research system is, and similarly, what the role of research assessment is in in, in fostering that. So we did talk in our roundtables uh, last summer uh, with a number of groups around this question of uh, healthy, inclusive research system and, and themes emerged. But to be honest, they weren't entirely consistent themes. Uh, they were mutually exclusive in, in some some of the suggestions that were made to us. And therefore, as Ben has just uh, comprehensively described, we're very much looking forward to the opportunity to use the consultation to hear more uh, from the community. But I'll give you a couple of a couple of, of, of thoughts on what we have heard and what we might be, be meaning. So we're thinking uh, that, that uh, a part of what we're talking about by a healthy, inclusive system is, is uh, related to the conversation around research culture, which has been growing for some years, uh, an interest in what we might consider to be a healthy research culture. And that includes, for example, the thought of, of uh, recognising the broader contribution of the of, of team science, those that work uh, in, in a variety of roles around the research and contributing to the research, also a considerable interest in the development of research careers. So so a healthy research system is, is one in which careers can be developed healthily, shall we say. Uh, and, and similarly, a, a healthy, inclusive system is one that is inclusive. So that uh, question of equality, diversity, inclusivity, the uh, access that we have to careers is important to healthiness. Uh, I could go on open access, research integrity, reproducibility. There's so many themes around what we mean by healthiness. But the key thing is that uh, where there's divergence of views is what the role of research assessment plays in, in fostering such a, a healthy system. Is it a, an important contributor? Is it one that we should uh, uh, acknowledge and, and uh, work as a driver of research culture? Uh, and, and what and how should we recognise the fact that it is acknowledged to be a driver of, of behaviour uh, and therefore 
perhaps of culture by definition, but is it res the responsibility of this exercise to, to, to work towards a healthier research culture? Uh, many of us would, would think that there is a value there, but the how is enormously important and who bears primary responsibility, institutions, funders, these are enormously important questions that we'll explore further. So I think I'd finish by saying that one of the things we've learned so far in thinking about the research system is that the REF or its successor assessment exercises are part of a wider, if you like, a, an all-embracing research and innovation system. Uh, and that our job in, in thinking about the future of research assessment is, is very importantly to position and establish the position of that assessment in the overall system in the most appropriate way. So we're interested in positioning as well as the actual operation of that uh, uh, assessment process. Thank you. You've, you've both in the last uh, couple of answers mentioned the, the wide range of perspectives that you've been hearing. It's quite challenging. How, how do you go about addressing all of these different perspectives in, in an exercise like this and coming to a, a consensus, if you like? I'd say you have picked up, Helen, there on one of the challenges that the funding bodies do face. Stuart has already indicated that the views that we have gathered so far only part way through the programme of consultation and analysis activities include views which could be considered mutually exclusive and not easily reconcilable. And in terms of how we're going to go about reconciling or taking into account views, I, I suppose I'd like to take this opportunity to reassure all listeners that all views will be taken into account from every area of the research and wider community, but also to say that we do have the task, the funding bodies collectively, of staying focused on the goals for the, any future research assessment system. Um, we express in the consultation that there are things that we need future research assessment to achieve linked to the allocation of funding and the continuation of providing public accountability. And so when it comes to weighing up the differing views and other pieces of analysis that we gather, uh, it will be a question, I think, for the funding bodies of bearing those goals in mind when making those sorts of decisions, but also the wider goal of ensuring that research assessment, desi uh, the design of research assessment in the future plays a positive role in the wider research and innovation sector um, and providing the kind of healthy and inclusive sector that Stuart was just talking about. Thank you. So the consultation is ongoing. How, how can everyone participate in it and find out more information about it? The consultation uh, itself, the large written consultation, which we'll be inviting responses to, um, will be going uh, out, we hope, soon in the coming weeks. And it will be up on the Future Research Assessment Programme website, uh, kindly hosted by JISC. And it will be advertised widely when it goes out. Uh, so uh, look out for that and please do respond. Okay, so you've recently published the real-time REF review. How does this feed into the evaluation and can you reflect on the changes that were made to the 2021 exercise? Of course. So the real-time REF review is a very important piece that's going to feed into our wider conversations about future approaches to research assessment. It was designed to gather individual views from researchers on their experiences of REF 2021 and how they experienced it, how it sat in their everyday lives. And that's a very important perspective for us to have. If future research assessment is going to serve the whole research community, then, as we've said already in this podcast, we need to listen to a diverse range of perspectives. And a very important perspective is the individual attitudes, perspectives and felt experiences of research assessment um, in researchers' everyday lives. Uh, and that's 
what we aim to get from the real-time ref review. And uh, my colleague, uh, Kat Firth, and I um, have already talked about this in a blog that accompanied the publication of that review. You mentioned changes made to the Ref 2021 exercise. We we gathered very useful and interesting views in the real-time ref review on those changes. Um, and I think one of the it was uh, it was a positive thing that we learned coming through the real time ref review regarding those changes that a large number of respondents felt that uh, the changes particularly the return of all staff with significant responsibility for research and the decoupling of individual staff from submitted outputs both of which were changes from uh, ref 2014 the last exercise uh, we learned that these were seen by individual researchers as having broadly positive effects particularly in terms of the morale, you might say, of individual researchers and how the pressure of research assessment uh, and how it links to researchers' individual work and careers, um, how that was felt by researchers themselves. So I think that's very encouraging to have um, that set of views and um, responses on the changes made to REF 2021 since the last assessment exercise. That's going to be coupled going forward with other pieces of work which um, focus not on those kind of individual perspectives and responses, but on um, other forms of analysis, uh, different data, different measurable criteria, and that will all be weighed up against um, other pieces like the real-time ref review uh, as we move forward. So obviously the UK is part of a, a global research community. Can you tell us a little more about how you're planning to get an understanding on international research assessment practice? Thank you, Helen. And, and you're absolutely right. The UK research community is embedded in a global research community, and we are not alone in considering questions of research quality and research quality assessment uh, across the globe. And therefore, it's been very important to us that we seek both advice on how examples or, or uh, experience by the countries might be able to help us, but also from a wide range of, of external observers of the UK scene who can help bring their experience to uh, advise the four funding bodies uh, in, in this way. So we're very fortunate to have been, to, to welcome Sir Peter Gluckman to chair our international advisory group. It's been a, a already uh, hugely helpful to us and will continue to be so. And the purpose of that group is to provide the uh, four funding bodies uh, who make up the, the programme board of the Future Research Assessment Programme uh, to provide us with that external perspective that you mentioned, that insight into global experience and, and how others uh, do things. So we're using that group very much as, as a sounding board against which the emerging thinking, the challenges that we're, that we're uh, bringing uh, or hearing can be tested to perhaps to also to give us, uh, well, we have already experienced definitely to give us challenge against uh, uh, some of our assumptions. So some of our, some of our, if you like, uh, expectations of things that we hold to be hold to be true, we're having challenged and tested, and that's extremely, extremely healthy. So the group is helping us with the progression of our thinking. It's helping us ensure that we've got the, the scope of what we're doing correct. Uh, and perhaps specifically, it's going to advise us on, on the uses or the forms of research assessments that are used internationally. So making sure we avoid other people's mistakes and learn from their successes. Uh, it will certainly give us uh, and is giving us uh, support for being broad-minded and creative in, in considering ranges of options, potential models for research assessment in a UK context, of course, importantly, in order that we can inform the, the kinds of discussions that Ben and I have been describing to you that have taken place thus far, but also the context and questions in the consultation and, and the uh, thinking and conversation that will follow from the findings of, of that. 
The international group is helping us also uh, looking at the evaluation of REF 2021, so ensuring that, the, that we're drawing the lessons from it and we're not missing important uh, lessons to draw from that evaluation that Ben has uh, described. And, and importantly, of course, uh, giving us their expert thought or around the, the various options for future research assessment that, that helps us in in perhaps giving uh, greater weight or lesser weight to, to various aspects of that. So we've been fortunate, as I say, uh, Sir Peter is chairing the group for us. The full membership is available through the Future Research Assessment Programme page, uh, kindly hosted for us, as Ben has said, by by JISC. But the people on that group are themselves senior leaders of, of research funding organisations in, in other countries. They are people, uh, ac academics, uh, or other experts who have studied research evaluation deeply themselves. Uh, and also they are research users from around the world for whom, of course, the impact and, and quality of research is immensely valuable in their own context and helping us uh, explore that here. So I'd finish by saying, uh, Helen, that that group is central to our international advice, but so is also the, so are also the thoughts of everybody who responds either to our consultation or takes part in any other form of conversation with the process that we're engaged in here. Because as you say, every researcher in the UK is by pretty much by definition connected to a global web of researchers. And so they will have their own views uh, quite rightly on what we should learn from other countries and what the examples of other parts of the world should tell us. So we welcome in the answers to our consultation, responses to our consultation, observations on global good practice. And that will complement and, and, and hopefully uh, be uh, support uh, some of the thinking that the advisory group is giving us directly. Thanks. That's really interesting. You mentioned that this group helped challenge some of your assumptions. Is it is it possible to share some of what those assumptions might have been? So perhaps one examples that I recall. So we we started off uh, in in an early conversation. We talked about our understanding of what we might mean by research quality. What does research quality mean? And so we tried a few definitions and had some quite robust discussion uh, about that, uh, which actually, and that that breadth of thought around how we might think of research quality, that conversation's continued into the roundtables we had last summer. So yes, it's extremely good uh, to say, let's start from here and have somebody say, no, let's not start from there without thinking about it. And Sir Peter's group has most certainly challenged us in a couple of places there to say, no, let's, let's just start again for a moment. And, and we welcome that. Obviously, at JISC, we're keen to ensure that the contribution that we make uh, to UK research and innovation sector continues to grow. C can you see an alignment <coughs> between the, the FRAP, the Future Research Assessment Programme, and JISC's priorities? Yes, absolutely. I think it reflects um, the fact that the UK HE sector and the RNI sector widely is, is, is a complex system with many different actors and organisations involved. I, I think this is how I, I tend to think about this kind of alignment of of priorities and uh, and work, and that um, it requires all actors in the system working together and considering how their combined actions affect the environment in which research takes place. And something we are aware of um, in the Future Research Assessment Programme is that a research assessment uh, system and any future approach to it uh, is uh, only one part of a, of a large and complex system. So, so looking at these alignments is, is important. And just a couple of, um, of things that occurred to me one of the areas that JISC is, is looking at, I believe, is to enhance technologies in key areas of research management and culture around uh, research integrity, research uh, reproducibility, uh, the responsible use of metrics. So all of those, um, all of those approaches to uh, data practices and, uh, and how they can be improved 
very important to the quality of research and um, they feed into conversations about how what criteria one might include in future assessment and how research excellence and impact might be measured. So there's definitely alignment there. Another area that occurred to me was open access. JISC is playing a big role with the sector in supporting the move uh, towards um, more open models for publishing and access to uh, the results of uh, research and innovation work. I think this also aligns with the goals of FRAP and the funding bodies, um, as, as demonstrated through the strides made in REF 2021 with the open access requirements and the broader support of the funding bodies for a move towards uh, a more open access model across uh, the research system. I think our goals align there as well, and it is uh, an important element of uh, of the FRAP, of, um, of the Future Research Assessment Programme, to continue looking at that work and how research assessment can best support a move uh, towards um, uh, open access across the sector. It's been a really interesting conversation. I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest uh, with our listeners. Uh, just to wrap up, could you give us any clues on any projects that you have coming up? Happily. We do indeed have uh, some work. We've we've talked about some of it already. So the consultation, for example, a very important piece of work coming up. But we're also looking quite deeply at one or two other topics that your listeners might be keen to hear about. So we'll be looking quite closely at uh, the costs of research assessment. We're very interested in that for obvious reasons. We'll be looking quite closely at the impact case studies, uh, thinking very hard about how that aspect of research assessment uh, and what we can learn from that and, and what the combination of experience and advice tells us about how uh, we might proceed or propose proceeding. We will be having an investigation into the responsible use of technology in research assessment. So that perhaps follows on slightly from the conversation, Helen, you've just been having with Ben about the role of JISC, but also of other people who are interested in, in those questions. And we'll be analysing, of course, the, the results of the surveys uh, on, on REF, the reflections that we have gathered thoughts on over the last uh, little while. Uh, and we'll be looking at the consultation, of course, as a very major input uh, and therefore a very major piece of work for us collectively in the, in the near future. And along with that will be the continued input of our advisory group, no doubt of others who will be talking to us. So we're not going to be without work to do and immensely aware of the huge amount of work, uh, Helen, that I'd like to acknowledge uh, that is being uh, done by colleagues in Research England, Cat uh, uh, and Duncan and their colleagues uh, uh, for, who are leading the, the, uh, the, the heavy work here that is supporting all of this uh, assessment consideration. And we're, we collectively are very grateful to them for everything they're doing there. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your time today and we look forward to hearing more about the consultation in future. <laughs>